I'm Michael R. Malley, and this is Fresh Green Blessings, reading the Judeo-Christian Bible through a Buddhist lens with Mother Earth eyes. Once again to Fresh Green Blessings. And I'm Michael R. Malley. And I'm Ollie Ren Erickson Malley. And here on Fresh Green Blessings, we're reading the Judeo-Christian Bible through a Buddhist lens with Mother Earth eyes. And today we'll be looking at one of the Psalms, Psalm 34. And in particular, we're going to be looking at a word in the Bible, the word fear, and talking about the uh, multiple meanings of that word and actually how it was based on multiple words in the original Hebrew. And we'll talk a little bit about that today. Ollie will do the reading of the Bible verses for us, and then I'll have a short reading followed by a little Dharma talk, and then Ollie will have the closing reading and some final questions for us at the end. As always, we have the Tibetan singing bowl, the Tibetan bell, and it is an invitation to mindfulness, an invitation to presence. And so when you hear the sound of the bell, you might want to just take an in-breath and an out-breath and return to the wonder of this moment. Here's the bell. Reading today comes from Psalm 34, verses 4 through 11. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Look to him and be radiant, so your faces shall never be ashamed. This poor soul cried, and was heard by the Lord, and was saved from every trouble. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and delivers them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in him. O oh, fear the Lord, you his holy ones, for those who fear him have no want. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O oh, children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Fear, fear, fear. Verse 4. Delivered me from all my fears. Verse 7. Those who fear him. Verse 9. O oh, fear the Lord, those who fear him. Verse 11. 
I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Shouldn't we be seeking a religion of love and compassion rather than one of fear? What possible value is there in a theology of fear, in a God to be feared, in teaching us fear? These are worthy questions. Certainly there is much in the Judeo-Christian Bible that does support a theology of fear. However, like many other biblical passages, Psalm 34 verses 4 through 11, even with its five references to fear in eight lines, need not be understood as simply promulgating a theology of fear. At issue here is translation. Multiple Hebrew words are translated as fear in the Bible, where the original text offers many words with various and subtle meanings, the English text has been reduced to a single word, in this case, fear. Compare the Hebrew word Megura in verse 4 of the psalm with Yer and Yerah in verses 7, 9, and 11. In verse 4, the Lord delivered me from all my Megura. The Lord delivered me from all my fears. Megura here is referencing fear that is terror related to evil. Now let's look at Yer and Yerah that are also translated as fear in this psalm from verses 7, 9, and 11. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who Yer him. O Yer the Lord, you his holy ones, for those who Yer him have no want. I will teach you the Yerah of the Lord. And now the word fear. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. O fear the Lord, you his holy ones. For those who fear him have no one. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Yer and Yerah here are referencing a melding of awe, dread, wonder, fear, respect, and reverence. This is expressed by Rudolf Otto in his 1917 book, The Idea of the Holy, when he speaks of the Mysterium Tremendum, this awe-inspiring mystery that is simultaneously fascinating and terrifying, causing us to step back while also leading us to move towards. As we compare the terror, Megura, that we are protected from in verse 4 of Psalm 34, with the awe, wonder, reverence, yer, yerah, that we are invited into in verses 7, 9, and 11, we see that the Hebrew writers are speaking of fundamentally different experiences, even contradictory experiences, but our English language Bibles explain it all in one word, fear. Unfortunately, the complexity, differences, and nuance of Megura, Yer, and Yera are all simply reduced to fear in our English translation of the Bible. If you go into the 
Christianity section of a used bookstore, you may find these thick books called concordances. There's Young's Concordance and Strong's, Con and Strong's Concordance, and they give you the original Hebrew words or the original Greek words for the New Testament that go with the English words that we have in our English language text of the Bible. And if you look there at the word fear, you'll see many different words from the original Hebrew that are all then reduced to this single word fear in our English translation. This is one of the challenges if you were, if you're trying to read uh, the Tibetan Book of the Dead and you're not reading it in Tibetan, if you're reading an English translation, anytime you're dealing with ancient texts, you're going to have this problem of, of translations and the nuance of meaning that can be lost. And as I noted in the written part earlier, we want, I think we want, I know I want, a religion, a spirituality of love, of compassion. Um, that has to be a primary focus. Uh, you know, the Vietnamese Buddhist monk, he says, compassionate eyes looking at living beings. And he said, that, that phrase is enough. That can guide my whole life. So we never want to forget that. We never want to forget the importance of love and compassion and how that has to be at the base of why we would study any sacred text, whether it was Christian or Buddhist or any other tradition. Hopefully, we have that base of love that's a driving force for us in wanting to come to understanding. So why all this fear of the Lord, I'll teach you fear, kind of stuff that we find in Psalm 34? Because, except for that first reference in verse 4, those other references to fear in this psalm are referring to something that's a lot more nuanced and complicated. When we speak of yer or yera, we're talking about awe. We're talking about wonder. And yeah, there's, there's some dread and fear in there too, but there's also this sense of reverence and being drawn toward. As I said, Rudolf Otto, in, in, his, uh, in his book, The Idea of the Holy, you know, he talks about the mysterium tremendum, this, this, this tremendous mystery that's, that's exhilarating and terrifying and exciting. Say, well, okay, yeah, but what does this really have to do with? I mean, I, I want to focus on love and compassion. Love and compassion are great, but we also, if we want to delve deep into life,
we are invited into awe. I'm in my mid-fifties. I'm, by any reasonable measure, I've, I've crossed the halfway point <laughs> in this life. I'll be gone in a short time, a few decades. And I know how quickly 20 or 30 years pass in a very short time. Everyone that I know who is currently here and those who have been here will be gone. It's incredible. And we can think in terms of that which is so beyond our comprehension in so many ways on this planet. Today I happened to see a, um, uh, a red-headed woodpecker. What an incredible bird. With this bright red head. And it's this living being that has these amazing colors and moves through the air. We just had a lovely meal tonight. We had potatoes. They grew in the dirt. <laughs> someone, someone dug them up. And I can eat that and it gives me sustenance and it tastes yummy. And I put some butter on. That, ladies and gentlemen, came from a cow. along with the cheese, and then there was some asparagus. These little, these, the, 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 these, these little, uh, I don't even know what to call them, these, these little monolithic things that grow up out of the ground. These little spires that shoot up out of the earth. And I can take them, chew them up, and they become a part of me. And yet this me also has a short <laughs> shelf life. What wonder and how terrifying. One of the words, and I think, I think teenagers still use this word, is, you know, in terms of the 
the jargon or the parlance of young people is cool. The word cool has been in since at least the 1950s. I was a teenager in the 1970s. We were certainly using cool then. We weren't using most of the lingo of teens from the 50s, but in the 70s we were still using cool, and I think they're still using it today. They were certainly using it in the 90s. And What does cool mean? One way we can think of cool is cool means to experience no awe. To be unimpressed. And isn't, isn't it interesting that in this special time, as we move from the wide open wonder of childhood to what it means to become an adult in this world. That one of the important words in that transitional time becomes the one that says to deny wonder, to not experience awe, to lack reverence. That's the highest. Be cool. To be cool. To be unimpressed. Thich Dan Han has said, I know where the Buddha and Jesus live. He said, I can even tell you their zip code. And then he said, right not in the future, but right here. Take a moment sometime today. If it's raining, notice the raindrops on the window. Notice how the water trickles down. My gosh, it's incredible. Notice a child walking. Notice the smell of a blossom. 
Notice the hand of a friend or loved one. Look at their knuckles, their fingernails. Experience wonder, awe, respect, reverence. And know that sadly, sometimes that which you are experiencing has been reduced to the English word fear in our Bibles. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the Yerah of the Lord. I will teach you the Yerah, the awe, dread, wonder, fear, respect, reverence. That I will teach you. That is what Psalm 34 is offering us. Religion and theology should be focused on love and compassion, but this does not preclude entering into the sacred dance with wonder, dread, awe, fear, respect, and reverence that are expressed as Yar and Yerha. Our world is awe-inspiring and awful. Watch a robin catch an earthworm and then feed it to her young. How amazing! There are living amongst us on this planet these illustrious, magical beings called worms. They are amazing, awe-inspiring creatures. And then birds flying through the air, building homes with sticks and bits of mud. What about the wonder of a baby robin coming out of its egg? And what about the awfulness and wonder that the flesh of the majestic worm will be torn into shreds in its terrifying death? Is not this the loving work of, of the mother bird? Through its pain and sacrifice, will not that worm help the lovely young bird to grow so that it too can fly and sing? The great sacredness that may be called God encompasses the full yar yara of life on earth. Where do you experience the wonder and dread of yar and yara? Be thankful that the Bible offers stories of love and compassion and be thankful that the Bible does not shy away 
from the fascinating, terrifying, awe-inspiring Mysterium Tremendum. I'm Michael Armalley, and you've been listening to Fresh Green Blessings, where we've been reading the Judeo-Christian Bible through a Buddhist lens with Mother of Eyes.